0: It's Thursday the 15th of July 2021 and you're listening to episode 25 of the Reds Unrestricted podcast. Today we're joined by injury expert Ben Dinnery to consider just how optimistic Liverpool fans can be about the return of Virgil van Dijk, Joe Gomez and Joel Matip after their long-term layoffs last season.
1: This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts.
0: So as ever, I'm joined by Dan Club. Uh, Dan, I guess the natural place to start is um, with the Euros, which has just finished. And rather than maybe dwelling on England too much, I wanted to get your thoughts generally on
2: on what you thought of the tournament and how much you enjoyed it. Yeah, I really enjoyed it, if I'm honest. Um, I think fans being back played a huge part in that. I watched the Copa America final the other night. Um, and as a spectacle, it wasn't half of what any of the Euros games have been, to be honest. And it was Brazil against Argentina. I was really looking forward to it. But it just didn't have the atmosphere of the Euros. And I think it's maybe more exciting for domestic footy to come back because I've said it a few times on here, we all took for granted how much fans meant to our sport and I think when it comes back in full hopefully in a month's time in the Premier League we'll realise just how good supporters are but in terms of the Euros yeah good tournament good quality and probably the right winners. I think you're
0: absolutely right about fans that was probably the reason I didn't really watch any of the Copper America because I couldn't really um, face it as much I think there was a few in uh, for the final but certainly not compared to the Euros and it was really important to spectacle. Uh, our guest today is uh, Ben Dinnery, who I'm sure a lot of listeners will be familiar with as one of the leading injury analysts in the country. Really, Ben, I'll, I'll ask you the same sort of question to kick off. Um, how have you sort of found the past uh, few weeks, the uh, sort of festival of football that we've had?
1: Uh, yeah, thanks for the uh, for the kind words, David. Uh, first and foremost, uh, it was, it was a strange one because on the back of what was a uh, an exhausting Premier League season I must admit I, I wasn't I wasn't really looking forward to the euros. Uh, it just sort of crept up uh, on myself and I, and I was looking forward just to a little bit of downtime but as as you know that, that Italy and, and Turkey game approached in the kickoff and the kick off and I started to get a little bit excited and I, and I must admit by the time you know that first game and I, I was well in I was invested in the tournament and and yes I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I think it was an excellent spectacle. Um, obviously a little bit disappointed in, in the fine result uh, on, on Sunday evening, but uh, you know, uh, not totally unexpected. Uh, I think we've done uh, a lot better than I had originally thought. I thought, you know, uh, maybe an opportunity missed in terms of how the how the draw opened up, how the you know, the, the Belgiums and the French in particular fallen by the wayside. Uh, but look, yeah, you know, so generally, I thought the, the, the tournament was a huge success. I uh, really enjoyed it. Uh, on the on pitch, anyway, certainly not off the pitch.
0: Yeah. Um, well, that's a whole, whole different kind yeah, of fish. But yeah, so that's another
1: podcast.
0: Yeah. Um, but as, as you said, yeah, on the pitch, a lot better than I think maybe we expected off the back of uh, a really demanding season for the players. And that kind of leads us nicely into the main sort of body of the episode, really. Um, So this week, Liverpool have started their pre-season training camp uh, in Austria. And obviously the centre-backs are the main focus. You've got, on the one hand, Ibrahima Kanate joining up with the team for the first time. But on the other, um, arguably just as significant, Van Dijk, Gomez and Matip all returning to the fold. So we're recording this on Tuesday. Um, A few hours ago, Klopp. Uh, delivered an update on their comebacks, he said. Matip was the closest to a normal training programme. Gomez and Van Dijk were a little bit further behind, but should be able to make that last step um, in advance of the season starting. So we're going to look more closely at their comebacks today. Uh, We'll discuss all three, but we're going to mostly focus on Virgil van Dijk for obvious reasons, really. He's got a case to be Liverpool's most important player. Before we get into the centre backs um, in depth, though, let's start with a more general question about Liverpool's injuries. So, Ben, how, in kind of the final analysis, did Liverpool's injury pile up compared to the rest of the league over the course of the season? Because, as I mentioned earlier, it was probably the most physically demanding season that we can remember.
1: It was. It was an in injuries across the board. You know, generally, uh, were well on the up. Um, in terms of availability squad numbers were down in terms of uh, average length of time returned to play for players across the board across all injuries were uh, up um so generally we've seen it, and we started with a glut of injuries at the beginning of the campaign and and as and that was due to uh, an unprecedented start to the season, you know, the shortened pre-season programme, you know, with those particularly who went deep into European competitions, you know, players, some players were, were, you know, less than maybe two weeks of a a pre-season programme. And and often that's considered, you know, the cornerstone of of the upcoming campaign. And and research will indicate that, you know, know, the less, uh, you know, the fewer sessions you have in those legs, the fewer minutes you have, the increased chance of, of, of injury incidents are going to occur through the uh, through the, the the remainder of that you know upcoming season and and that really sort of come to fruition um, as you would expect in and around the busy periods you know the festive program uh, in January we've seen high number of soft tissue and and muscular injuries and I think generally across the board there were in and around maybe twenty percent more injuries than your typical. Uh, campaign uh, you know this year as well so it, it's been a difficult one to manage for all clubs um, and like I say there's, there's there's a lot of reasons as to why that, that may have happened of course we've seen project restart um, at the back end of sort of 2019-20 and, and all the talk around you know getting football back was we're going to expect you know a lot of these injuries but I think the you know the Premier League and the and the Football Association were able to mitigate a lot of that risk with maybe um, you know the five substitution rules and and the drinks breaks and of course we never had any of that into the into the new campaign as well and it, it all sort of came together to create that that perfect storm as it were and it and, and it's been very difficult for for clubs to manage squads particularly those squads um, you know, with um, smaller personnel and also those you know clubs who are, are maybe you know, involved in uh, European football as well. so yeah it, you know, the numbers at the end of the season um, just go to confirm exactly what we you know, what we feared at the beginning of, of 2020 2021 is that you know, we would expect higher numbers um less availability and more burden uh, on the clubs and more pressure on the, on the backroom staffs trying to manage those squads
0: yeah and 20% is a you know when, when you put it like that is a bit of a striking figure really but just to kind of pick up um on, on the Liverpool side and obviously this isn't the main focus of the episode but maybe just get a bit of sympathy for us um, <laughs> would it would it, be, would it be fair to say that we were kind of desperately unlucky with injuries last season, or is it just naturally going to be more complicated than that?
1: Um, uh, well, I, I will throw some numbers your way, and you know what I would call out and say. You know, first and foremost, football is a is a contact sport. You will pick up injuries, um, you know, just for the very nature of playing the actual game itself. And clubs, players, you know, they will go through um, periods of of good fortune you know, where where not a great deal is happening. And then you have seasons where it just seems to be, you know, this, this vicious circle and trying to manage squads and, and key players picking up injuries and, you know, then managers may be forced into maybe risking players who are, are not able to play or uh, involving players who you know, we often used to hear Arsene Wenger talk about players within the red zone, you know, those players who are at risk of maybe breaking down, you know, soft tissue injuries and stuff like that. Well, you know, if you're carrying a squad full of injuries, you're having to overwork, overplay certain individuals in certain positions and not only during competitive play, but also involve them in, you know, in the training as well. So that's something, you know, that's often maybe not really considered or thought of it. These guys aren't allowed or unfortunate to have any, any break at all. So look, um, if we do a direct comparison and I would say season on season, although it's not a direct comparison, but in terms of the actual numbers, themselves. Um, from 2019-22 to last season itself, there was a there was a huge increase uh, just in the number of, of time-loss absences. And when we say time-loss, what we mean is um, players that will miss a minimum of one Premier League game. So uh, those numbers were actually up uh, 74% uh, and so, so, you know, it, it, it's quite a, a significant and a substantial uh, rise in, in the number of reported incidents. And when you help, you know, try to quantify that in terms of, of a, a return to play and the number of days, well, that's actually up um, 81%. Um, in 2019-20, Liverpool lost in the region of, of 954 days uh, to injury. So, you know, you're talking about maybe... You know, just under what was it maybe you know uh two two and three quarter years something like that maybe 30 32 months however last season um like I say that was up by 81 percent and that was over 1700 days um you know so when oh, you you're beautiful. talking almost uh, you know that's over what five years worth of um almost five years worth of, of, of injuries or days mm-hmm. lost to injury in, in eight particular season and it doesn't matter how big your squad is how much strength and depth you're going to feel the brunt of that and you're going to you know you're going to see that that downturn at the cold face in terms of performance um, and, and I'll throw another one out there and this is maybe the most um, I suppose dramatic uh, increase in terms of just the total number of Premier League games missed and this is what we classify as as first-team players. So not those development players um, who are on the fringes of the first team. These are players who would be in and around that first-team squad and certainly involved in in the Premier League. Uh, And and that increased from 110 uh, up to 243, and that was 121%. Uh, increase on, on, the, on the previous season. So that gives you some kind of indication of of the difficulties that Jurgen Klopp and, he, and his backroom staff uh, had to deal with in terms of managing the squad. Uh, and, and, and of course, you know a lot of those games, days and injuries came to personnel in key positions.
2: Um, I'm just glad to hear it wasn't a figment of our imagination last <laughs> season and it actually was happening. I just wanted to pick up on something Ben said really quickly. Is about... The kind of the vicious circle sort of element, and that's what it felt like for Liverpool last year. Because Obviously, we lost a glut of players in one position, which meant we had to play essentially Henderson and Fabinho there for a while. And within a few weeks, both of them were struck down by injury. And it felt as if the fact that we had to use them out of position for one, but also so much might have had an adverse effect. And that might be why they got injured. Would you say that's pretty likely?
1: You You're talking about maybe. Um, it, you know, I, I don't know a great deal of uh, of, of, of the, you know, historically of, of those Liverpool players. But um, from what I do you know, so Jordan Henderson, you know, typically that that centre back position is, is not a role that he's adopted very often. So all of a sudden you're going from this maybe holding midfielder role where you, you know, you're um, you're almost in that engine room. To all of a sudden, you know, you're in that backline. There's different body movements, there's different twists, there's different turns. Um, your body's just not used to to yeah. run in certain ways. There are different considerations. You know, is he marking all the time? Is he? You know, you've got your head on it on a swivel, and it's it's just a completely different mindset first and foremost and, and sometimes instead of just doing things naturally and, and that come to you just because of you know this is your job and this is what you've been doing you're almost having to think about things and, and it can be those split second uh, delays and, and, and changes of mind almost that Um, can bring on, you know, injuries or or cause of problems. And and, and again, we're talking about creating this perfect storm and putting those players in that type of environment in these types of, you know, highly energised, highly charged environments in big games because Liverpool were there to be shut down. Liverpool were the champions. They were the big boys. Everybody raises a game. So, you know, there there are very few, uh, if any, easy games in the Premier League. You had European football, so you know it's quite easy to see why some of these players were were breaking down the way they did because it was just, you know, like I say, it was very tough and it was very demanding.
0: Certainly, an an interesting angle on it, given the different sort of physical challenges that they would have had to face. And you know, I think one of the key things was the accumulation of injuries, certainly in in the same areas which which you've alluded to. But let's move on to uh, to Van Dijk then. First of all, we'll recap kind of the injury itself. Um, I think it was last October. It was suffered. We won't get into the tackle um, itself that actually led to it because uh, <laughs> we're probably going to be accused of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, but a lot of football fans, myself included, will just hear the kind of dreaded three letters ACL, um, and that is just naturally, you know, a horrific um, combination. But I'm assuming there can actually be a fair bit of a variation there just within that kind of term. So as you understand it, what was Van Dyke's specific injury and kind of relatively speaking, how severe was it on that kind of ACL scale, if you like?
1: Yeah. So I mean, typically when you look at, at mechanism of injury, and, and and by that we mean, you know, what actually caused the problem in, in in the first and that was fairly evident that that came from from jordan pickford and you know you, you sort of watch these games and and to yourself you may call what you what potentially what you what you think the problem may be um and and what we do know unofficially um you, you know it was it was that it was multi ligament so obviously when we talk about ACL injuries, you know, the best outcome that you could have would be that that ACL is just done in isolation. So if you're fortunate of it's just, you know, that ACL injury has been damaged and none of the surrounding structures or ligaments, um, you know, so on and so forth, are, are fairly sounded and intact. And, and, and if that's the case... Then yes, it's you know it's still a devastating injury blow. But in terms of the recovery and the rehab and, and, and getting the player down and uh, you know getting that treatment and getting the surgery, then it's fairly straightforward. And um, you know you will often see a, a quicker return to play. Um, so maybe when you look at some of the players um, who have extremely quick uh, return to players in the grand scheme of things, then you can sort of surmise that. Um, you know, those were fairly straightforward, and, and there was maybe just the ACL and, and, and very other, or very little other structural damage within that. Um, with regards to, to Van Dyke, uh, you know specifically, it did look like there could have potentially been some MCL involvement, and even there was some talk maybe about some posterior, um, you know, PCL involvement in there as well. And, and the ACL and the PCL are the two main stabilizers of the knee. Um, and, you know, looking at his uh, return to play timeline on, on where Van Dijk is at this moment, then, you know, it's, it's fairly safe to assume that there was, you know, there was a lot of significant damage in that knee. Um, and, and therefore, you know, I think the decision for him to, well, I don't even think he was ever in a position to go to the Euros, if, if I'm honest, Uh, when we look at return to play timelines for ACL generally uh, you know average return to play is in and around that maybe 270 days you know marker give or take you know but there's nothing to say that you know there won't be a 9 to 12 month return to play timeline or it could even go way beyond that Um, you know and there's certainly uh, in in the modern game there is certainly uh, a, a move towards players maybe completing a more thorough and comprehensive rehabilitation programme, you know, coming back from serious long-term injuries as opposed to, you know, maybe rushing them back as we have seen previously.
0: I think maybe if it was left up to Van Dyke, he might have gone to the Euros anyway for at least kind of a sort of model support role or maybe he thought he could have featured in the knockout stages, but... I, what I wanted to kind of ask on this was how crucial do you think it was that Liverpool have persuaded him to take that sort of extra kind of month um, as it's proved, and how big could just those few weeks be in kind of a long term sense?
1: Yeah, I mean, it, look, it's huge. I think, first and foremost, what, what the research would, would say with regards to, to players potentially returning to play within that, that nine month period you know, you are at a, a significant risk of, of re-injury or recurrence within that period. And, and every day, every month you go past that nine months, then the, the, the chances of you suffering a re-injury or a recurrence reduce by 50%. So, you know, it, it, 10 months, mm-hmm. it's it's 50% less than 11 months. You reduce that by another 50% and, and so on. So the longer it's actually left, then, you know, great. But I think Van Dyke, it would have been a difficult decision, but, you know, I think his eyes now would firmly be on that domestic campaign. And it's about, you know, getting back to playing for Liverpool and, you know, uh, with the best will in the world and the best intentions. And, and, and maybe, you know, the focus with the national team will be elsewhere. Um, whereas with, with Liverpool, you know, he, he's got everybody... That he needs in terms of, of that daily support that he's been managed, you know, throughout his rehab program by them, and I think you know that was the best decision, and I think you know that short-term sacrifice will hopefully, fingers crossed, you know, um, repay itself massively, um, you know, you know, uh, once Van Dijk returns to play.
2: Yeah, well, we certainly hope so. Obviously, from Liverpool perspective, and um, it's it's funny because everything you're saying kind of echoes. What Klopp has alluded to today, I don't know if you've seen his quote. he's kind of played down, not played down the optimism around Liverpool fans, because we're all you know, buzzing to see him back in pre-season training, we're all over the moon, but I think myself included got a bit carried away, thinking Norwich away, first game of the season, he's starting, and Klopp's kind of tempered that a little bit, and what yeah. you're saying there about every day you wait is a good day, if that makes sense, then yeah. that's it's- kind of what he's saying, so that's that's good.
1: It, um, I mean, uh, I mean, what we, the the difficulty as well. What we have is, is support as supporters, and of course, we all want our best players back on the pitches as soon as humanly possible. Yeah. But when, and and I know, um, obviously, uh, Virgin, he's been he's very active in terms of his social media posts and, mm. and what he's putting out there. What we're seeing are just you know tiny snapshots of, of really what's going on 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 a day to basis, and it doesn't really tell us a great deal. Yeah. in terms of, of, of where he is. But, you know, as supporters, we, we love to see that and we love to read a lot more into that than we're thinking, mm. oh, he's actually, he's, he's quite close. And like you see, yeah. he could be ready for, for game week <laughs> one. But the reality of this situation is, look, there's still a lot of hard work um, to go on behind the scenes. And, mm. uh, you know, we need to be seeing um, Virgil uh, in full training, uh, taking part in all of the sessions, Daily, without any kind of reaction, before you know we can even consider a, a full return to competitive play.
2: Yeah, well, he's certainly in the best hands. Um, on the on the topic of returning, um, I've had a look at his injury record previously. Something you're probably aware of, and it's pretty impressive, really, for someone who's just turned thirty, um, hasn't picked up many injuries throughout his career. Certainly, since he's been at Liverpool, he's missed six games. During his time with Liverpool, which is nothing really. Um, his longest layoff before this was 18 games while he was at Southampton. So I just wanted to get a sort of picture. Is that beneficial to him in the long run? Or does this injury in isolation mean he's more prone to pick up more things? Or the fact he's got a really good record, does that give him a better chance of returning without re injuries?
1: I mean, obviously, we hope that when, when uh, Virgil does finally return to play, um, competitive play, you know, he's going to be eased back in and, you know, he will continue when he will be as, as robust and as solid and as sound as he, as he always has been. Um, of course, you never know what's around the corner. Uh, you know, I alluded to it earlier on. It, it is a, it's a contact sport and, mm-hmm. you know, mechanism of injury. I mean, you know, whether you're Jack Grealish, Virgil van Dijk, you know, or, or, or Callum Wilson. Um, you know, how can you legislate maybe for a tackle like that? It's it's just one of those, you know, that is the, the nature of the beast, as it were. Um, what I would say with 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 long-term injuries, we often hear about players who are suffering sort of minor niggles, setbacks, you know, soft tissue, muscular tears. And that's just as, a, as the body gets used to, to the rigors of playing top five football again. Um, you know it doesn't matter how many hours you're putting in on the training pitches how many games you may play for the development side of the under 23s or or non competitive there's nothing quite like you know playing in that in that premier league environment you know it, it's often loaded as um, you, you know the, the fastest most explosive exciting league in the world and and the data reflects that you know in terms of distance covered by players in terms of the number of high intensity sprints and the distance they're covering that those sprints so you know players um you know, need to be at their at, you know at their physical peak to be able to be you know to to perform optimally in, in this league so um, it may take a little while uh, an adjustment for Virgil but you know, fingers yeah. crossed we hope that he can you know, come through those early games and acclimatise and, and he would be absolutely fine
2: Yeah well just to kind of pick you up on that really you said he'd be absolutely fine and that was what I wanted to ask next do you think and do you have confidence that going off what's gone before and him himself that he can return to his best
1: level It's, it's a question you often get asked in um, what I would say was, <laughs> and, then, uh, and I, I don't want obviously to pick this up in the in the wrong way, but we're talking about players who, again, uh, you know, they're at the peak of their their fitness, they're at the peak of mm. their performance. Particularly Van Dijk, uh, you know, considered one of the best central defenders, um, if not maybe in the world in world football. Um, and if you consider that, if a player picks up an injury. At, at, the, at the height of his of his career when he's playing so well, and he suffers such a significant injury, you know, very rarely are you going to see players come back and in they're, that they're better. First and foremost, yeah, so the course. aim is always to try and get back to those levels. And, and there are lots of examples of, of players who picked up similar types of injuries and have went on to um, have you know great careers at the same level, um, you, you know, regardless of age. I think uh, Ibrahimovic. Is a is a great example of that. You know, ruptured yeah. his ACL in almost even the twilight
2: this week as well.
1: Yeah, so it's you know um, there's there's everything that suggests from from Van Dijk's history, from his just his makeup, from his level of performance, that he will go out, you know, and he'll be performing at that same level. But of course, you know, there are no guarantees. At this, because you know, when you are playing at the, it's it's all small margins, at, at, that, at that highest level, and and maybe you know we, you very rarely get a, a, a fully to understand medical red roads and exactly what's happening, but but players as well as trying to maybe adapt physically, um you know there may be slight alterations in the games, you know players maybe, maybe looking to mitigate risk in terms of maybe picking up. Uh, another injury so they may have to slightly the you know slightly alter the game but but psychologically as well i think that's a that's a big aspect which you know isn't often talked about
0: do you know what i wanted to pick up on the um on the psychology um because i just wanted to know if maybe you thought that when we are discussing players returning from injuries are we may be focused too much on the physical side because you know, Van Dijk might end up actually being fine from that standpoint. You know, good luck at injury record um, a few years down the line and it might actually look OK. But you've mentioned kind of decision-making and behaviour on the pitch. You know, there's a possibility that he might have like a instinctive reluctance to make certain tackles that feel a little bit risky or to run at full tilt, for example. So, yeah, how much do you think the, the psychology of it sh- like shouldn't really be underestimated?
1: I, th- I think it's going to it's going to be absolutely huge, but that will be, be, you know, that that'll be addressed now. You know, that'll be getting worked on. Um, you know, throughout his rehab program, that will be uh, integrated within his, his his recovery program. So, uh, a good example was I think Austin awesome. Venga game with with Aaron Ramsey when he suffered that you know quite horrific leg break uh, a, a few years ago, and, and he actually said um, he was never confident going back. Out on the pitch, and it, it he says it almost took three years. It doesn't matter what the what the doctors were telling him, and and you know all of the tests would say, look, your knee, uh, sorry, your your leg is absolutely fine. Uh, you've got nothing to worry. about. but psychologically, you know, it took him almost three years until he until he could just fully focus on going out there on the game. Um, and and again, we don't know um, how these players are are, are going to deal with with such a, a significant trauma. As we've mentioned before, you know Van Dijk inherently has had a, a he's a pretty robust player. His injury record has been great. He's never really spent this amount of time sidelined before. We hope and um, you know we pray that you know he's going to come back and, he, and he's like the fellow, Van Dijk, um, You know that left you know pre-injury levels, but you can never be one hundred percent certain. Um, but like I say, they, you know players now in, in, in clubs manage their players really, really well and they will consider every single aspect of that recovery and rehabilitation progress. Uh, and that psychological aspect, like I say, will be dealt with as well with the psychologists and, and working just around, you know, just visualising and, and ensuring that, you know, that injury is, you know, Virgil van Dijk goes and does what he does on the pitch and not having to worry about you know if he's neat, can you know tolerate the demands of the game anymore? Well,
0: that's a battle in itself, and I think the idea that there will be kind of psychologists maybe helping them with that is, is pretty fascinating, to be honest. And when you mention Ramsey, another example that springs to mind is, is Michael Owen. I think he was doing some punditry a few years back, and he said, you See, I think he's had a succession of hamstring injuries or, or at least muscle injuries, and he was explaining how he was genuinely, it was like a psychological block because Van Dijk, you know, he's renowned as this extremely tough defender, like totally unflappable, but it's like an instinctive thing, really, much as like, as Michael Owen is like a born and bred goal scorer, you know, his, you know, strategic mind will be thinking, do whatever I can to score, but he's clearly, there's clearly some sort of instinct there telling him, don't run at full speed, otherwise, is you like going to be able to, to keep, keep up with it, really, so, yeah, obviously we're all delighted to have uh, Van Dijk back and it's kind of a, a huge relief but I think you know it is important for us to kind of acknowledge this and acknowledge the fact that there aren't really any any guarantees um, although we hope that given the sort of superhuman performance levels we've seen so far that kind of translates to his, uh, his injury recovery as well so that's obviously quite a, a thorough look at, at Van Dijk let's move on briefly to to Gomez and Mattip Gomez first of all um, again, let's look briefly at the injury itself. Um, would it be fair to say that even though the return timelines have kind of coalesced, that this injury was, was more serious? And how worrying is it that by all accounts, this injury was, was a non-contact injury?
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it is a, it's a very complex injury. And, and with regards to, um, you know, with the ACL injury, um, having experienced it myself, once you've had that surgery and dependent upon um, the actual procedure, which has been undertaken, you can in effect, um, you know, begin your rehab almost immediately, you know, within 24 hours of that surgery, the, the knee is, can be stabilized. It's locked and you can get to work in the gym. Um, with the, the Joe Gomez injury, the patella tendon rupture, you know, that's certainly not the case. So there's definitely, you know, that extended period of time where you'll just have to let, you know, the, um, you know nature take its course. it It'll have to, uh, you know, you need um, the, that injury to, to heal. Um, it, it's not fixed. It's not screwed like it is maybe with the ACL. Um, and you need that maybe uh, time to, for that graft, you know, to heal again. And, and that's, you know, the players are becoming deconditioned. Um, it's taken longer to return. The chances uh, I didn't see the, the Joe Gomez, but you know the, he would have certainly been on some kind of uh, leg brace, which were restricted range of movement. Um, you know, so the, it's a lot more complex in terms of how you manage that injury. Certainly earlier on, at, at the early stage rehab. And
0: there was another podcast you you appeared on in January. I want to say it was the. The Spy on Cop podcast. Um, you alluded to load management um, with Gomez. Obviously, the signing of Kanate uh, will be uh, quite important in allowing us to do that. But do you think that Liverpool, obviously Gomez is only twenty four. I think I'm right in saying. Do you think it's sensible with mm-hmm. Liverpool having options now to be thinking kind of long term with Gomez and maybe this season? You know, even though he is a very very good player. Um, maybe strategically limiting his involvement?
1: Look, I think, yeah, we're, we're talking about a player, certainly within in recent times, has had uh, a pretty horrific run of, of bad luck when it comes to injuries. Um And, yeah, look, and I, I don't want to keep on hawking on it. You know, it is a contact sport, and and, and, and that's what the, the difficulty is. um You know, if we go back to 2019-20, it was almost as if Joe Gomez was... Was back in his groove, he was back to optimal levels of performance. I think his availability rate in terms of the Premier League was, was over 95%. Um, you know, following on the back of a, of a two difficult seasons, really. I think he was he was around about 40, 47% prior to that, and around 76%. And then you know, prior that he had that that ACL injury, which which almost you know curtailed his 15-16 season, and there was nothing there in 16-17. So you need to to consider everything that went before. And when you're looking at players and and how robust and how um, how they're able to tolerate the demands of the game, and it's and the game's moved on a a lot now in terms of, of, of distance covered maybe not a great deal has changed, but certainly the intensity of the game has and, and those high intensity sprints and those high intensity runs and that's when players become you know most vulnerable when they're fatigued and it's not those players aren't expected to to do that once a week. You know, it could be twice a week, sometimes on, on occasions, even three or even four times, you know, w- w- the way the fixtures schedules have, have work things out these days. Who knows what happens with, with, with COVID? So in that regard, then, yes, you know, you need to have one eye on uh players' history, you know, his medical records and an understanding in a way that, you know, maybe some players just need to be managed slightly different to others because otherwise, you know, they, they just can't physically cope and they will continue to break down and continue to pick up injuries so you know this smart side is wherever possible you know always err on the side of caution um you know and if you can maybe get two games out a week of of Joel Gomez at, you know at his optimum levels then great
2: yeah well it certainly looks as though that could be the case and uh, moving forward with Gomez because I had a quick look um, and tallied up his um, injury record um, since he's joined Liverpool, and it's not pretty. And we spoke a lot about severity of injuries, and unfortunately for him, most of his have been pretty bad. Um, cruciate ligament injury previously, Achilles tendon problems. And he's actually racked up 136 games absent for Liverpool since he joined, which is ju- it's gutting for the lad, because he's a young lad, and he's very good, like we already alluded to. But I'll be at risk now, and you spoke about load management and maybe being a bit clever with it. Similar to having Tottenham were with Ledley King all them years ago. I don't think he trained a lot during the week and then he might only play once a week. Might not get to that extreme with Gomez, but is there a genuine risk that we could be watching a very talented young lad suffer a whole career plagued with injury?
1: I mean, you know, we always live in hope and... Um, it, when we look at, at mechanism of injury, um, uh, there's one. Um, I'm trying to think when he collided with the advertising hoardings. Uh, was one that that springs to mind. And and again, you cannot really legislate for that. That's just you know very very unfortunate. Mm. Um, and 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 so, you know, we you hope that maybe um, there's a there's a better understanding of of how to one manage his body. Um, uh, you know. Maybe further down the line, he doesn't make those decisions to make those tackles. He maybe isn't as rash. Maybe the game is is slightly altered. Again, to just to try and, and uh, you know, you, you're constantly evaluating the play and those advantages and, and, and disadvantages and the pros and cons of, of making certain decisions and certain tackles. And that might, that'll come with experience and that'll come with, yeah. you know, training and playing with the likes of, of Van Dyke. On a daily basis, I have no doubt, you know, the conversations behind the scenes throughout this recovery and, and, and rehab period, mm. you know, Joe Gomez will take a lot from that. He would have took a lot mm. of advice from, from Virgil. So, you know, hopefully he can take some of that on board, and, you know, and with a little bit of rub of the green and a little bit of better luck, you're going to see those availability levels, uh, you know, return to to hopefully those, you know, post, post-injury, post you know, serious injury levels
2: anyway. Yeah. Yeah, he did have a he did have a full season, pretty much available. you're right, when we won the league, which um, just goes to show how good he is. But unfortunately, either side of that, he's been a little bit plagued. Um, and it's interesting you mention the conversations you be having with Van Dyke because it's something I think they both alluded to how they were made up to almost have each other going through the same sort of experiences. Because I imagine, and I know football, so you could buy a lot. It can be quite a lonely place, the old rehab. So, so that's good news. Um, Injuries, unfortunately, take us on to Joel Matip, who, again, is probably the most frustrating of all Liverpool players, run closely by Naby Keita, I think. Um, (laughs) And I've looked at Matip, and his injury record before arriving at Liverpool was was really quite impressive. Um, But since he's arrived, he's missed 104 games for Liverpool. um, And not necessarily due to like Gomez's were quite severe. Matip just tends to pick up these little strains and knocks and et cetera, et cetera. So I want to ask you, is that down to anything in particular? First, the fact that he's suddenly getting and now he's a Liverpool player. And is that a particular way he plays or his body or whatever it may be that he gets these little knocks all the time? And thirdly, is there ever a chance that maybe, again, with load management, we could get more availability out of him
1: I mean, quite possibly, you know, there there are a lot of soft tissue and and, and muscular injuries in there, which, you know, which suggests, you know, that Matt does struggle of of playing maybe um, consecutive games, uh, certainly within the the Premier League, within close proximity of each other. Um, You know, but medical staff and and backroom staff will be monitoring that, will be very aware of that. And, And maybe some of those injuries will maybe born out of the of the player, just again, you know, putting his body on the line and helping out the club, you know, and, and helping out Jurgen Klopp. Uh, mm. and, and again, understanding that, you know, maybe he wasn't 100%, but he's willing to, to just go out there and sacrifice maybe himself to promote. And, and, and I know a couple of those instances, and the, the thing that's always so is, uh, you know, you're injury prone, uh, yeah. you know, you're... Oh, you're soft, you know, your hamstrings are made of cheese sticks, <laughs> strings, and, and so on and so forth. I mean, I know for a fact that you know Joe Martin is uh one hell of a tough character. And a lot of those injuries which which were maybe brushed off as being trivial and, and, and just you know, um they're quite serious and, and quite painful in the fact that um you know, how he's got through some of these injuries and how he's actually responded and how quickly he's returned uh, has been a big surprise as well. So, you know, first and foremost, so, you know, this guy isn't, um, you know, isn't just a, a walking sick note. He's, you know, probably just been a little bit unfortunate. Um, you know, this this latest injury came back from was uh, a fairly severe setback. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, understand that I think, and I've just had a look at the at the Jurgen Klopp comments. You know, he's probably the closest of the of those mm. four players to come back. Um, but you know, when we're when we're looking at availability rates and and potentially you know can players and, and how many games are these players going to play, it's the historical data that you look at, and you know, we look at Matip's record in recent seasons, and it's it's pretty dire, you know, there's no sugar coat in that. And um, I think, you know, with, with Liverpool's recruitment and with Liverpool's squad, there will certainly be one eye on, you know, managing the legs of Matt and and understanding that, look, he's a great asset to have when he's fully fit and he can come in and do it, you know, and do a really good job. But is he somebody that can be relied upon, you know, week in and week out? Mm. Well, certainly what we've seen in the last two seasons, that wouldn't be the case. Well, that's the sort of remarkable thing about
0: about Massif, and you've summed it up quite well there, Ben, is that despite the succession of injuries that he's had, he seems to be able to come back and almost brush them off and look yeah, kind of yeah. and play almost at his, his sort of prime levels. But, Dan, I just wanted to ask you something, really, before we wrap up as kind of a concluding question, really. Obviously, um, we've, now, we've now signed Canate and... I uh, I tweeted the other day that I think that on paper, at least we might have uh, the best centre-back depth in the world with uh, those four players, really. And then, obviously, you've got Phillips as well, who may or may not stay. um, He's he's proven that he's a Premier League-level player, for sure. But do you think that the level of depth that we seem to have, and obviously this was a major problem position last season, do you think that that depth might actually be an illusion, given the, the fact that we do have, you know, three injury-prone players, you know, and then Van Dijk, who obviously we can't necessarily guarantee will be back to his his former levels.
2: There's certainly a danger of that, I'd say. I'd say it's, it's similar to the midfield situation, if I'm going to be honest, because I often discuss midfield depth that Liverpool apparently have, but then when you dig a little bit deeper... I don't really want to use the term injury pro and half. The bench shut us down on it. But, um, <laughs> no, I, but if you look at Alex Oxley-Chamberlain, unfortunately, another one who's picked up quite severe injuries, um, Kate is a bit more in line with Matip in terms of he picks up injuries all the time. It, it can be an illusion because you look at the names on paper and you think, yeah, great, but then when you can only use them for a certain amount of games, it doesn't really reflect. Um, in terms of quality, I'd say the centre-half position is probably the best in the league, certainly. Um, but there is definitely concern, but I must admit I'm feeling a lot more positive about it now when you think about we might have the option to use Gomez and Matip a little bit differently moving forward certainly Matip, I think he's a prime candidate Gomez, like Ben touched upon I think it was a Ben Me tackle against Burnley that did him, and obviously this is a bit of a freak injury now, with it being non-contact he might be a bit more usable, but Matip simply can't play many games on the run. And with this new sort of backline department we've got, he might not have to. So I'm a bit more confident. Um, but like I say, certainly in terms of quality, that squad depth is, is phenomenal, really.
0: And the dilemma with Phillips, really, is Liverpool seem to have, you know, quashed the Celtic idea a little bit, but it does seem like it certainly can't hurt as we try to get both the uh, priorities addressed in the transfer market so it's whether you sell them if you get the offer or you think hang on maybe we could just do with that fifth yeah. insurance option who's shown that yeah. you can't do a job for us but we will have to, to wrap it up there um, before we go Ben we always give our guests an opportunity to um plug any any work to the listeners i know you're uh, very active on on twitter uh,
1: i am yes i'm at ben dinnery i spend most days seven days a week <laughs> talking about injuries so um yeah uh if you have a question find them way. Anyway. more around the data side of things these days uh and and try to bring some medical experts people who know a lot more around you know the the mechanism of injuries and the um, you know, then I certainly do, and 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 a lot of that content goes on through PremierInjuries.com, which is our current website, which is going through a massive rebrand, uh, and hopefully, fingers crossed, all being well, the the new website should be live before the end of July.
0: I'll look forward to having a look at that. Um, I, I check it quite regularly, although not as regularly as when I played fantasy football before I uh, <laughs> retired. Um,
1: yeah. Let's <laughs> put it that way,
0: um, but thanks very much for uh, the insight you've given us today i've I've uh, really learned a lot and, and hope the listeners have as well uh before we finish for, for this week Dan have you got any no, final thoughts rest, like I
2: said, want to thank Ben um, unfortunately I hope never to be as invested in injuries as I have been for <laughs> the past 12 months yeah not, I get
1: that
2: <laughs> yeah it's not somewhere I want to be I've, you, you're a lovely fella but I don't want to talk to you about injuries ever again if that's okay
1: yeah um, yeah love, <laughs> no offence taken I get that, that quite a lot in there. Uh, thanks thanks again guys it's been fantastic thank you, Good, you. Man.
0: well ideally we think from the top of that uh Injury chart where we had about a thousand days <laughs> last season to uh, into towards the relegation zone, but yeah, that will be uh, that will be all for this week. Uh, pre season is starting soon, so um, that'll feature in, in upcoming episodes. And we are sort of around right the month away now from the start of the season, so join us next week for what will be episode 26. But uh, for now, that's all we've got time for.